Welcome to Indigenous Success. Doing it, thinking it, being it. With Dr. Caitlin Barney and Professor Tracy Bunder. Hi everyone, I'm Caitlin and welcome to our podcast series, Indigenous Success, Doing It, Thinking It, Being It. I'd like to start the podcast by acknowledging the traditional owners of the lands we're recording this today and pay our respects to their ancestors and their descendants who continue to have strong spiritual and cultural connections to country. I'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands where you are listening from today and pay my respects to them as well. The podcast series focuses on what works in outreach programs for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander school students. This series is a part of a suite of resources developed from an equity fellowship that I undertook in 2020 that was funded by the National Centre for Student Equity in Higher Education. And it focuses on success factors that are based on key findings from the fellowship. Each episode is an interview with an Indigenous staff member or a university student about aspects of effective outreach. I'm a non-Indigenous woman born and raised on Jagger and Turrbal country, and I'm joined by my co-host and colleague, Professor Tracy Bunda, who was part of the advisory group on the fellowship. Thanks, Caitlin. Hello, everybody. As Caitlin said, I'm Tracy Bunda. I'm a Noogie Waka Waka woman, and I'm the director for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Studies Unit and Head of Academic Programs within that unit at the University of Queensland. You would have noted that Caitlin and I are calling the series Indigenous Success, Doing It, Thinking It, Being It. And of course that raises questions straight away. What does Indigenous success mean? And I was thinking about that, Caitlin, and I, I was reflecting on the influences within my life that have informed my life in life experiences and the ways in which I'm able then to perform leadership, enact leadership. It makes me think too about the ways in which our cultural life as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people helps inform that as well. In the podcast, you're going to hear Caitlin and I waver between using Indigenous Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander uh, First Nations. So we'll move between each of those sort of namings. And we hope that the podcast series is particularly of use and interest for outreach practitioners working in universities, but also we hope it's of interest to people who, you know, have an interest in student success and student equity in higher education more generally as well. Our guest today is Hope Perkins, who is Indigenous Engagement Coordinator in the Faculty of Engineering and Information Technology at the University of Melbourne. Welcome, Hope. Thank you, Caitlin. Hope, would you like to introduce yourself in whatever way is most comfortable for you? Absolutely. Thank you, Tracy. I'm extremely fortunate and privileged to have a rich ancestry and lineage from the Eastern Arantia group in Northern Territory, my father's side, and the Pilbara region in Western Australia on my mother's side is a descendant of the Namal people. Uh, My grandmother's country in the Pilbara from the Namal side covers east of the Karanyara country, encompassing the towns of Marble Bar and Nullagai, past Okova River and Nagala country and south past Shore River. Uh, my grandmother's country from my eastern Arantia side, uh, from central Australia, covers Alcuda Station, uh, Amungana, across the Plenty River, Hart River and Todd River. Uh, I also have German and English ancestry. I grew up in Canberra 
and uh, went to school in Canberra and Melbourne has been home for the last 25 years. Thanks, Hope. So you're a proper desert girl. (laughs) (laughs) Proper desert breed. Proper (laughs) desert breed. (laughs) Yes, although I I sort of, I'm almost a local now that I've been in Melbourne for 25 years, but I certainly am an absolutely desert breed through and through. Thank you. Thanks, Hope. Can you tell us a bit about your role at the university? As you mentioned, Caitlin, I work in the Faculty of Engineering and Information Technology at the University of Melbourne. And I was recruited approximately seven years ago to develop the Indigenous Pathway Program into Engineering and Information Technology. At that time, nothing existed in terms of of programs or a strategy as such and previous efforts that they had attempted were without any success and i'm also the program lead for the victorian indigenous engineering winter school and the warrior aboriginal girls college technology program and so can you tell us a bit more about um views that's that's the acronym isn't it uh for the program that you're involved in which one of my engineering colleagues came up with they're very good at, at at creating acronyms and that is essentially the Victorian Indigenous Engineering Winter School. So it's a collaboration between the University of Melbourne, Monash, RMIT and Swinburne Universities. Four years 10, 11 and 12 Indigenous high school students who are currently studying maths and or science who are interested in an engineering or information technology pathway. It's a five day long program and it includes the opportunity to explore four different campuses uh, who offer very different strengths in engineering and IT disciplines, different options and different study pathways uh, for our students to to have a look at, to experience and, and get a sense of. The program also provides real-world experience of engineering and information technology through industry site visits and workshops. Uh, hands-on workshops to develop problem-solving and design skills and experiential learning. Part of the program has a strong cultural component, which is we have our students connect with Indigenous elders from Victoria, mentors, Indigenous mentors and the Indigenous support units. We also have Indigenous university students uh, as part of the program and Indigenous engineers and information technology specialists who are currently working in industry. I want to go back to um, an aspect that you think is really, really wonderful within the camps that you manage and just talk about that a little bit further. So you talked about the collaboration between the various universities there in Melbourne. You talked about industry opportunity. Which one, which aspect would you really highlight there that the, the participating students really get a benefit out of? The collaborative aspect of the partnership, so Melbourne, RMIT, Swinburne and Monash coming together is something they actually really quite like because we all have very different pathway options and this is the only program in the tertiary sector that we will not compete with. So we are genuinely working together because we want parity in graduations, in students coming through. And I don't know, I'm happy to be proven wrong, of any other partnership that exists where we won't compete with each other. So students like that because they get a 
an experience of each different university pathway option. Um, as an example, at Melbourne, we have a master's program. Monash has a degree program. RMIT and Swinburne have a, a non-degree pathway option. So there's something that we've tried to combine everything that you know we don't have, as an example, and we're stronger together. We're not um, competing with each other for recruitment or student numbers. It's the experience and actually having students get a, uh, a taste of the different options from different universities. Can you tell us, Hope, a bit more about those cultural aspects that you mentioned? Because that was a theme that you know came through in the fellowship was that students and staff saw that as a real strength of some programs was the cultural aspects of camps. Um, can you talk a bit more about you know, how those are included in this program? Engineering and IT are very technical skills and very discipline specific. So we're really conscious about having the cultural element embedded into the program for a more comprehensive and, and holistic experience for the students. So it, we have a multifaceted approach. Uh, the start of the program is traditionally a formal welcome to country and smoking ceremony from either Annie Dye or Uncle Bill, who are Rogery local elders. And this essentially provides safe passage to our students who are coming from across Australia to Wurundjeri land. So this is a, an important statement to say that you are safe, we welcome you and, and you know, we will be with you for this week. Annie Dye and Uncle Bill always stay at the beginning of the program at the induction and they present to students as part of the formal induction process. And this is to ensure that they're provided information on the land that they're on uh, some background, some context, uh, as I mentioned, to provide safe passage and to make it really clear that they're available for the duration of the program if any student wants to connect or ask questions. Uh, so that's, that's how the program starts. Then we also incorporate Indigenous-led activities into the program, which complements the discipline-specific side of engineering and IT and the hands-on workshops component. So, for example, uh, the two activities we ran in the last po program were a guided tour of the Birrarong. So the Birrarong is, is what you may know of as the Yarra River here in Melbourne, but it, it's called the Birrarong. It is the, the tour is really through Indigenous eyes and it includes a, a discussion of the history of engineering and modification since European settlement and the pre-European history of the river. So this was a really interesting exercise as the students uh, then adopted those learnings from this experience to a, a design workshop that we had at Arup, which is one of our industry partners. So the students were given a design brief for a client, which was a real life client of Arup's. And the students were asked to, to respond to the design brief. So they were given a budget, they were given a client, they were given a time frame, they were given, you know, a risks sort of portfolio about what some of the potential, you know, problems could be, etc. And what was fascinating was that the students in this workshop exercise actually applied some of the concepts and ideas from the, the Birrarung walk into the, the project. So in Victoria, there are two totems. One is called Wa, which is the crow, and Bunjil, which is the eagle. And they are very uh, special totems here in Victoria, especially around that precinct that, that the visit is on. And the students incorporated that into the design. 
Birrawal was a significant meeting place for Aboriginal groups. Groups would come together, share a meal, have special ceremonies. And today, what is known as South Bank has a very similar purpose, but in a different context. So it, it's a really important exercise in terms of getting students to observe the, the current environment and what was previous uh, to European uh, settlement and, and working those, I guess, concepts into a design brief for a, a large company. A second example of the content built into the program was the Mangrook activity. So Mangrook is a borrowed word from the Gunditjmara people of Southwest Victoria, which means game ball. Uh, it was the traditional game that was played with a possum skin ball down here in Victoria. And our VIEW students took part in a Mangrook activity, which connected the students to the place they were visiting uh, and really, you know, provided a bit of provenance and history of Mangrook. Yeah, so those, those are two examples of some of the cultural activities that we have, have included into the VIEWS program. Hope, do you think that students make connections with each other during the program and what do you think are the kind of benefits of those connections they might make? I think one of the things I've observed in the last certainly five years um, of views is that when students first arrive, they're absorbing everything around them. So they may be extremely quiet, they may be listening and observing, but towards the end of the program, a lot of the students have formed really good uh, friendships and also working relationships in the sense that they have had to do workshops and team-based activities together. And they've also been living together for five nights. So the surveys tell us that, and, you know, some of the feedback that we've had is that in addition to the hands-on workshops, experiencing some really great, you know, world-class facilities around activities, the fact that they had a connection during the week with other students who were of like-mindedness to them um, because they all had some commonality. So they, you know, the students come from all over the country, but there was some commonality they had together in some way or another, whether it be the fact that they really loved problem solving, they really loved analysing things, they loved working things out. Um, they might be from a similar state living together for five nights in a residential environment, being in a city that they've never experienced before has obviously brought some of them together. And some of the best feedback we've had is that these students stay connected when they go back to their homelands. They might not stay connected to us. And bear in mind, the cohort is typically 16 to uh, 15 to 17 year olds. So their way of connecting might be through WhatsApp or a social media sort of forum. But they, they definitely have connections when they go back and some of them end up going to university together. Um, how we try and keep everybody's together is through an alumni network to make sure we keep them connected to us. For all of this experience and your work within the faculty, you would have a position now about Indigenous success. So would you mind to share that with the listeners? Thank you. I find success to be subjective. Uh, it means different things to different people and depending on what life stage you're at uh, and the individual. When I look at the Eastern Aranta language, 
there's no word for success. Um, and you look in dictionaries that linguists have compiled and there is no word for success. The closest word um, that I've come across is peaceful in, our, in Eastern Arantar is being peacefully and contentedly happy. And that word is muare. Uh, it's such an interesting concept because then when I look at, say, an Oxford definition of success, it defines it as the accomplishment of an aim or purpose to gain fame, wealth or social status, a personal thing that achieves success. So that then brings me back to it depends on what success means for the, for the individual. The questions I asked are, how do you define success? How do you measure success? You know, the responses to these questions will vary depending on who you ask and, and depending on the age group of the person you ask. So I think, you know, a successful Indigenous person may be a person who is, a, who is someone that lives beyond the average life expectancy or is a successful Indigenous person could be defined in terms of Indigenous people maintaining Indigenous culture, heritage and language in, today, in today's society. Or is it a successful Indigenous person that can be defined in terms of, you know, being at the top of their game, yeah. the pinnacle of career or chosen profession? So I, I think success is so subjective. It really depends on the individual. Some of the sort of ideas about success that I really resonate with is that, you know, inevitably all of us will face tough times and failure personally and professionally, and how you deal with that failure might be the most important thing is to whether or not you're going to succeed. There's just so many different aspects to, to what it means to be successful. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks, Hope. Thank you, Hope. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Caitlin and I both want to thank you for joining this podcast series, Indigenous Success, Doing It, Thinking It and Being It. If you've got any questions about this podcast or any of the other podcasts that you may have listened to, please contact Caitlin on her email address, k.barney, that is B-A-R-N-E-Y, k.barney at uq.edu.au. Thank you very much and we hope that you'll join us in the future.